0: Our passage beginning in John chapter 1, verse 1. I'm going to leave until next week the parts of this passage that are about John the Baptist. So we'll uh, skip over those this morning. Let's begin in John 1, verse 1. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through him, all things were made. Without him, nothing was made that has been made. In him was life, and that life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, but the darkness has not understood it. Verse 9. The true light that gives light to every man was coming into the world. He was in the world, and though the world was made through him... And made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory. The glory of the one and only. Who came from the father. Full of grace and truth. Then verse 18. No one has ever seen God. But God the one and only. Who is at the father's side. Has made him known. The way the NIV translates. God the one and only. Is also translated God the only begotten heavenly father as we come to study this awe-inspiring jaw-dropping passage in scripture give us eyes to see and ears to hear and hearts to receive the one you sent into the world to reveal yourself to us we pray this in jesus name amen please be seated our key passage for the whole Gospel of John for this series is John twenty thirty one. These things are written, that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name. So there are a couple of things here. First, there are things we need to believe about Jesus, that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God. And then we ask, if this is who Jesus is, what does that mean? And can he deliver on the promise that we may have life in his name? Who is Jesus? And can he deliver on that life that is promised? At the beginning of the Gospel of John, John, who is a disciple of Jesus, who spent three years uh, in, in Jesus' ministry watching him, listening to his teaching, even being sent out by Jesus participating in the work of the kingdom the youngest of the disciples he didn't start at the human level and say let me tell you about Jesus that I met he begins at the biggest scale possible it's sort of like the beginning of the Star Wars movie when you have the the stars in the galaxy and the the uh, words are going back uh, and receding in receding the guy you have this sense of space only it's even a bigger scale than that because john says in the beginning for anybody who has studied the bible and read from its beginning the uh, the first verse of the bible in the beginning god created you know this is deliberate on john's part when he says in the beginning we want to finish that god created And John fills in details in the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God. He was with God in the beginning and our minds are blown. Say, say what? We are introduced to the mysteries of the Trinity here. Now, the Holy Spirit is not spelled out in our passage. But it will. The third person of the Trinity will be spelled out later in the Gospel of John, very, very clearly. But the mystery of the relationship between the persons of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit are put right at the forefront. He was with God, and He was God. And our minds are blown. But what does this mean? How can this be true? We use analogies to try to explain the mystery of the Trinity. And most of them are bad analogies. I I couldn't find a better and more concise and more engaging way to present some of the bad examples for the Trinity than with this little uh, blurb.
1: Okay, Patrick, tell us a bit more about this Trinity thing. Yeah, Patrick, tell us. But remember that we're simple people without your fancy education and books and learning, and we're hearing about all of this for the first time, so try to keep it
2: simple. Okay, Patrick?
1: Yeah, real simple, Patrick.
2: Sure, there are uh, three persons of the Trinity, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, yet there is only one God. Don't get what you're saying here, Patrick.
1: Not picking up what you're laying down here, Patrick. Could you use an analogy, Patrick?
2: Sure. Uh, the Trinity is like, uh, water and how you can find water in three different forms. Liquid and ice and vapor.
1: That's modalism, Patrick! What? Mortalism, an ancient heresy confessed by teachers such as Noetus and Sibelius, which espouses that God is not three distinct persons, but that he merely reveals himself in three different forms. This heresy was clearly condemned in Canon 1 at the First Council of Constantinople in 381 AD, and those who confess it cannot rightly be considered a part of the Church Catholic. Come on, Patrick! Yeah, get it together, Patrick! Uh,
2: Okay, Uh, then the Trinity is like uh, the sun in the sky, where you have the star... And the light and the heat. Oh, Patrick.
1: Come on, Patrick. That's Arianism, Patrick. Arianism? Yes, Arianism, Patrick. A theology which states that Christ and the Holy Spirit are creations of the Father and not one in nature with him, exactly like how heat and light are not the star itself, but are merely creations of the star.
2: That's a bad analogy, Patrick. You're the worst, Patrick. Alright, sorry. The Trinity is like uh, this three-leaf clover here.
1: I'm gonna stop you right there, Patrick. Yeah, hold your horses, Patrick. You're about to confess partialism. Partialism? Yes, partialism, a heresy which asserts that the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit are not distinct persons of the Godhead, but are different parts of God, each composing one-third of the divine.
2: All right, I'll try again. Uh, The Trinity is like how the same man can be a husband and a father and an employer. Modalism again. All right, then it's like the three layers of an app Partialism revisited. Fine. The Trinity is a mystery which cannot be comprehended by human reason, but is understood only through faith and is best confessed in the words of the Athanasian Creed, which states that we worship one God in Trinity and Trinity in unity, neither confusing the persons nor dividing the substance, that we are compelled by the Christian truth to confess that each distinct person is God and Lord, and that the deity of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit is is one equal in glory, co-equal in majesty.
1: Well, why didn't you just say that, Patrick? Yeah, quit beating around the bush, Patrick.
0: I could not have packed all of that into just a couple of minutes. Modalism, Arianism, partialism. We have a hard time understanding the Trinity. Now, as we try to explain it to our children, I'm not quite so cynical about introducing ideas to our kids where you can think three in one and 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 one in three but we have a hard time grasping in the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God how can you be with God and and be God at the same time and then it says he was with God in the beginning it's a person it's not just a, a concept or an attribute it's he a person was with God from the beginning, and He was God. And our minds are blown. I present to you this as evidence for the truthfulness of our faith, not evidence against it. Why do I say that? If people dismiss it, saying that doesn't make any sense, so I reject it. I would say, actually, if it made sense to us, might that not might not that show we probably imagined God to be that kind of God? That's what the Greeks did. That's what the Romans did with their mythologies and and their gods. They're just enlarged humans. We can understand the loves, the jealousies, the angers among the, the Greek pantheon of gods because they're just like humans. We get that. But if God is truly there and he's infinite in his being and his nature and he created us with finite minds, Does it not make sense that our finite minds are not going to be able to uh, to understand fully the infinite God that created us? The difference between God and us in nature and being is a greater distance than between us and an ant in being. We're both created things. We're not infinite. We're both finite creatures, us and the ant. But God is infinite, and yet he's revealed himself to us. Does it not make sense that it blows our minds? So when John begins his gospel, and his purpose is to show us that we may believe that Jesus is the Christ, he is God the Son, he begins with the huge. He begins with in the beginning God created, and he spells it out with the persons of the Father and the Son. And he gives us a better analogy than any of those already mentioned. When I was a teenager and trying to study God's word, a young Christian, I thought, well, if God wanted to make things uh, believable, easy for us to understand, why did he not just say at the beginning of, of John, in the beginning was Jesus? He was there. Before the creation, then God created everything through Jesus that we've met and known, we walked with. Why did it say, in the beginning was the word? That's kind of like puts it out of reach for us. This goes philosophical. Well, it's because God was giving us the best analogy that there is to understand the Trinity. And that is a word, an expression. If If I spell this illustration out, I'm thinking of a word in my mind. Now, I've used this before. If you remember this from using, from this illustration five years ago, great. That means it's a good illustration. I'm going to use it again. If you don't, I need to remind you of it. If you're new, I'm going to present it to you. I'm thinking of a word in my mind. Tell me what it is. It's not that. Um, Even if you guessed it, if I didn't confirm it, you would never know. It transcends your ability to know. God the Father is transcendent. We cannot figure him out. He is unknowable apart from him expressing himself to us. And that expression of God the Father is through God the Son the very word of God now if you didn't have the receptors the if you couldn't see with your eyes to lip read when I would say the word or have ears to hear when I say the word I could think the word and I could say the word and if you didn't have receptors you still wouldn't know the word right so we have the word conceived in the mind the word expressed as a word and then this is part of the illustration is the illustration of the third person of the Trinity, the Holy Spirit that gives us eyes to see and ears to hear and to receive and understand. You do have eyes to see and ears to hear. So when I say the word is life, all of a sudden you know life, I know life, life is between us. I've thought it, I've expressed it, you've received it. And there's a distinction between the word thought The word expressed and the word received, right? Is it three words? No. It's one word. But there's a distinction between the word thought, expressed, and heard. Now, this analogy falls short because in illustrating the Trinity, it's three persons in the Trinity. God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. But you can at least see that there's one word, not each part of it is one-third of the word. That would be partialism. It's not modalism that sometimes it's thought, sometimes it's expressed, sometimes it's heard. Uh, there's, it, it can all happen at the same time. And it's not actually Arianism, although that's the closest to a heresy about it, that you're dependent upon the word thought for me to express it. Now, if if I've lost you, if you glazed over, it's because we serve and worship an awesome god we can't fully comprehend him but god has made himself known to us through jesus these things are written that you may believe that jesus is the christ the son of god that's the whole point point. and we uh, ask well can jesus deliver on the promise of life that we may have life in his name Last week we talked about how we want the good life. Usually our world goes about wrong strategies to have a good life. And that life ends in death. It ends in destruction. But the good life that God gives us is eternal life. And it begins even now in our hearts and minds as we become his children. Can Jesus deliver on that promise? Of course he can. He was with God before creation. With the Father, he himself was God, and God created all things through him. Think of Genesis uh, 1. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. How did he do it? And God said, it's through the power of his word. We understand something from this passage that that word was not. God didn't have a, a voice box and breathe in air and speak out through lips. He doesn't have a body like us. What is the word of God? It is the The Son, Jesus Christ, through whom God created all things. Verse 3, through him all things were made. Without him nothing was made that has been made. Can Christ deliver on this promise that by having life in his, that we can have life in his name? He's the one that gave us life in the first place. If it weren't for him, you wouldn't exist at all. You wouldn't have a life in which to to live for a while in the mortal body rebelling against God. He's the giver of life first, and he's the giver of life again. I so remember as a uh, young person thinking that to really follow Christ would just be like sitting in church and having to sit still for eternity. I I, I just remember that. There's this fear that to follow Christ you miss out on life. Instead, Christ is the giver of life, and to follow him gives a fullness of soul, even when our bodies are are having troubles, even when we're rejected in our, our relationships. There's a fullness of soul that we have from Christ. Do you know that fullness of soul? It's another theme of this book, that he's living water, welling up within us, refreshing us, that we may have life. In his name, he gives us life in the first place. He gives us life anew. He sustains us, even in this fallen world. So yes, he can deliver on this life. In this life, verse 4, was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, but the darkness has not understood it. If you ever stumbled around in complete pitch black darkness, you can't see anything. You get disoriented, discombobulated, you stub your toe on things when the light comes on you see you understand this light shines in the darkness we've turned away from God and fallen into darkness the darkness the light shines in the darkness but the darkness has not understood it we are that uh, darkness in this fallen world this darkness is personalized to say understood or some translations say has not overcome it when light when you turn on the light the darkness is beat back We can rebel against God, but we can't overcome him. Understood, comprehend, it all has to do with not recognizing God. Now, we're going to go past uh, uh, John the Baptist. We'll study him next week. In verse 10, we begin to find how we can respond to Jesus. In John's mind, God gave us life in the first place. We turned away from him and fell into darkness and uh, Jesus came into the world. We didn't respond right. But I want to kind of move past that and come back to it and end on how do you respond to Jesus? How do you respond? John says after uh, from the beginning when God created all things through his word, through the Son, And in the sun was life and that life was the light of men. And yet we turned away from that. We turned into to Darkness. Then John, the, Baptist, John uh, the, the disciple, zings in and says, this word that I'm talking about is Jesus himself. Lest you, lest you misunderstood, lest you thought he's just talking philosophy or high theology, this one who walked with Jesus said in verse 14, the word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. It's unmistakable that he is introducing us to who Jesus truly is. The magnificent God the Son from all eternity through whom we were made, who is our lives, was the one we walked with and talked with. The Pharisees didn't recognize that. The ones who rejected Jesus just thought he was a heretical human being, blasphemous, claiming to be God. John said, no, he truly is. He says, we beheld his glory the glory of the one and only. I want to pause here and just explain again why a lot of the translations don't have the word the only begotten uh, again. It's because many places in the the world, many religions have seen only begotten as somehow the Greek mythology kind of God. That God had physical relations with, uh, with Mary and by that begat a human son. That is blasphemous. That concept is wrong. And a number of the translations have decided to avoid that. They avoid the word begotten as well. But we lose something when we do that. Because as we this is the reason we used the Nicene Creed last week. The Nicene Creed makes clear he's begotten, not made, being of one substance with the Father. You can look at your child and you know that your child is of your nature, of human nature, not a robot. A robot is something you make with your hands. Jesus is the only, unique, the one and only God, the Son. He's not a created thing. Begotten, not made, being of one substance with God. The Father. So don't lose that truth, even though we want to avoid misunderstandings of the word begotten. But John is talking about Jesus. God the Son became one of us and took on human nature, human flesh, and lived among us. He goes on about how John testifies about him, but I want to make one more point about how the word became flesh. Look at verse 18. It says, No one has ever seen God. But God, the only begotten Son, has seen the Father, and he's at the Father's side. He has made him known. Let's put this simply. Philip said to Jesus, Lord, show us the Father. What did Jesus say? If you've seen me, you've seen the Father. See, he's like the, the transcendent Father above us, reveals himself through the word to know jesus is to know the father and we know jesus by the power of the holy spirit again the trinity is not fully expressed in this passage but does not this motivate you to bible study do you realize the more you understand about jesus and who he is you are discovering more and more about god himself that that's amazing we get used to it we can begin to think I'm, I'm focused on this over here and forgetting this is the one who gave me life in the first place and you can lead me in the way of life now and leads me to eternal life. That's amazing. And that's motivation to keep opening the Bible and learning more. It's like spiritual food that, that keeps us alive as we study the Bible and, and talk with God in, in this way. And he, he speaks to us you know, through his word. So God revealed himself to us through the living word jesus and the bible the written word is all about how god has revealed himself through the living word jesus we do come now to how have you responded but we we think so well of ourselves that we think i just want to know the truth i just want to to do what's right that's just not human nature We actually want to do what we want to do, and when we know it's wrong, we want to do it in the dark so nobody else can see. We want to hide. The light shines in the darkness, but the darkness has not understood it. It's the work of the Holy Spirit that renews us to give us the desire to want to to embrace Jesus and receive him. Verse 10, he was in the world, and though the world was made through him, the world did not recognize him he came to that which was his own but his own did not receive him i think these are two of the saddest verses in the bible think about it god made us the world, although the world was made through him the world didn't recognize him when he came he came to that which was his own. That can refer to the whole world, because the whole world is his own, but I think it actually has a reference to the more specific. He came to his own people, the ones prepared for him, the ones, uh, the, the people of Israel that were given the Old Testament, were given the promises, given the prophet, prophecies, uh, given the law and the prophets. They were preparing for the Messiah to come. And he came to his own people. And they did not receive him sort of it's sad like if if you were to come home to your house and you're locked out by your family hmm do you see how sad that is but that's what we do to god unless we turn and embrace christ with faith to trust in him and that faith is a surrendering faith It's not, I accept you so I go to heaven, but I'm going to live for myself. It's, I receive you as my Savior and as my Lord. Yet to all who received him, to those who believed in his name, he gave right to become children of God. Children born not of natural descent, nor of human decision or husband's will, but born of God. Even our faith is the work of God in us. When we are stirred in that way, we say, thank you, God, for being at work in me. This isn't the way I'd naturally respond, but you're you're doing something. I thank you and praise you for drawing me to yourself. Born of God. Now, in this phrase, he gave the right to become children of God. Again, it's hard to translate in our day and in our culture with our language and our words. He gave the right to become sons of God. That's not a male chauvinism. A son was the heir of the family's riches and wealth and for each of us male and female to be given the position adopted as sons of God consider what that means male and female alike it's not leaving anybody out it's saying you're in line to to inherit the riches of Christ himself the eternal life that he brings to you When you receive him and he gives to you new life, what begins and you can't be taken away by disease and by death. Can't be taken away when others reject you and hurt you. They can't touch what God has given you. And this life, this temporary life that's a drop in the bucket will give way to an eternal life of glory that you cannot comprehend now. That's what you are an heir of as a son of God. Male or female, again, this is not chauvinism. We're adopted as sons of God. Jesus is the only one who shares God's nature, who is God the Son. But we become sons of God, heirs, uh, adopted sons, heirs of the riches of Christ. I ask you, how have you responded Maybe you have responded and embraced Christ as your Savior and Lord. And yet your eyes have been cast down. You're you know, going spiritually dry. You're going about you know, this, things aren't satisfying. You don't know what to do. Look to the one who gave you life in the first place, gave you life anew and your salvation. Drink from him to find satisfaction for your soul. If you're just growing up in church or your spouse has brought you, you're just curious, you're interested, and you've come, and you've never responded to receive uh, the Lord Jesus Christ as your Savior and Lord, if that's just kind of a religious platitude and doesn't mean anything to you, consider what you're missing out and embrace him as your Lord and Savior, for he gives you life that cannot be taken away. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, fill us by your Spirit with the capacity, with the ability, with the desire to want to embrace the word, the eternal word of God, so that through him, through Jesus, we can become your children and have an eternal weight of glory stretching out before us, awaiting us. And Father, we pray that that would make a difference in the way we live each day you give us here.